Hey, over there. Yeah, you. I need a map. No, not that atlas kind of map. The one that's the calculation he used to figure out if a patient's organs are being perfused. Welcome back to Brush Up on EMS. I'm Bob, your colorful host, and as always, we'll be diving into the deep subjects in EMS. If you're new to the podcast, greetings and hallucinations. If you're crazy enough to tune in on a regular basis, thank you. Now let's challenge some common thought on sepsis. Stay up on all the brush up on EMS genre from Facebook to YouTube to the new thing that we've got, podcasts. Podcasts can be found on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and various other web podcast suppliers. You also can like, comment, and subscribe on Facebook, Podcasts, and YouTube. So stay up on all the brush up on EMS genre. So what is this map I keep asking for? This map is dealing with our pressures, specifically our arterial pressures. Mean arterial pressure is that map that I'm asking for. And how do we figure map? Well, if you've never figured map before in your entire life, map is your systolic blood pressure plus two times the diastolic blood pressure divided by three. So you take 120 plus two times 80 divided by three. And when you do that, you're gonna get a number that's gonna look like 93.3 repeating. That is the map. And what does map have to do with all of this? Why do we need to be concerned with map? Well, now that you know the calculation, you can use that on patients no matter what's going on to see if their organs are being perfused. We have to keep them above 65. 65 is that number that we have to watch in septic patients. Now some monitors will show a map on the screen. But if you don't have your monitor and you just have a manual blood pressure cuff, how do you figure it? Well, you have to know the calculation. You have to pull out your calculator out of your pocket. Hopefully you have one. Maybe you can just do calculations by hand. But still, you can figure up MAP without a monitor by using that simple calculation. So when we have a septic patient, we have to keep them above 65. That way, their organs are getting perfused. Because if we have one organ failure with a blood pressure decreasing in sepsis, we get septic shock. If we have two organ failures with a hypotensive blood pressure, we have MODS, which is Multiple Organ Dysfunction Syndrome. But what does all this have to do with sepsis? And what is sepsis? Sepsis is the body's response when it's out of whack, triggering changes that can damage multiple organs. Talking about that MODS. And how do we get sepsis? Sepsis comes from skin infections, lung infections, UTIs, gut infections. So we're talking when we have pneumonia, when they have a skin infection, you know, cellulitis, a urinary tract infection. These are four of the biggest causes of sepsis. Now some of the signs when we're looking for this besides the map is a temperature greater than 101 degrees or less than 96.8 degrees Fahrenheit. 
a heart rate greater than 90 beats per minute. No, you heard me right. I did not say a tachycardic heart rate. I said a heart rate greater than 90 beats per minute. Respirations greater than 20 and count your respirations. For heaven's sakes, don't put down 16 breaths, non-labored, equal bilateral. End tidal CO2 less than 32 millimeters of mercury. And if you have an end tidal CO2 of 27, that's a very high chance they have sepsis. An acute altered mental status and hyperglycemia greater than 120 milligrams per deciliter in a non-diabetic patient. So if you take a blood sugar and you get 120 and they're suffering from possible sepsis, that's another nail in the coffin and you've got to watch for that. So what happens in sepsis? Well, the temperature increases in the body trying to fight off the infection, which is a natural body response. And then we go to the heart rate and the heart rate increases because of that temperature increase trying to maintain the homeostasis. Then as that temperatures increase, the body's also trying to use the bicarbonate system with all of the acids and acidotics and alkalotics and we're having respirations and we have increased respirations trying to breathe off that heat and also the acidosis. And then if it goes on long enough, the entitled CO2 is affected. So with all of this being the case, what does altered mental status look like? Well, altered mental status in a sepsis patient is specifically looking like they're sleepy. They have a general feeling of illness, which is that malaise. They're not hungry. They're having hallucinations or they're, they're not understanding what's going on. Like they don't feel like there is anything wrong. And don't let their hallucinations be impressed upon you that you don't think anything is wrong and you get a refusal out of them. And then if this all happens long enough, with that fight or flight system also causing the release of the glucose and then have an increase in glucose and they're a non-diabetic patient, if all these things are happening, we only need how many of those above signs and symptoms to say that it's sepsis? Two, two of the above criteria. And you know what? If you only have one of the above criteria, you should be suspecting sepsis. Sepsis should always be in your differential diagnosis, especially if you get a mean arterial pressure and it's less than 65. If you get a mean arterial less than 65 and they're a hypotensive patient, you have a patient in septic shock and you need to get an IV or IO stat and start giving them fluids and getting them to the hospital ASAP. So, history is the biggest form of identification when we're talking about sepsis. And we've got to make sure that we're giving them good ventilations, we're giving them oxygen if necessary, so that we're keeping them oxygenated. We've got to do that, otherwise they're not going to get enough oxygen in those cells. Those cells are going to release more lactic acid and they're going to go into a further state of shock. But that map of 65 or greater, so that's where we have to keep them to a systolic of 90, giving those fluids we have to maintain them. So how much fluids do we give them? Well, give them an initial bolus of 30 milliliters per kilogram or 20 mLs per kilogram. Just depends on your scope of practice and where you're at. And you can give them a max of 20 mLs per kilogram times three. And this is just a general consideration 
when we're talking about sepsis, but remember, don't deviate from your protocols. Those protocols were set in place and approved by a medical director. So make sure that you are following those. But even if your medical director has approved what you can do, remember, identification is up to you. You have to identify sepsis. And the reason that I'm talking about this is because I missed it. I had a sepsis patient here recently and I missed it. See, went inside the house and I noticed that there was an infection going on, that the patient had had a recent surgery and, and you know they were warm to the touch and they weren't feeling well and they had the general malaise and they had an elevated temperature and everything was like, okay, they have an infection, but they were hypotensive. And I said to myself, well, they're, they're hypotensive. They automatically must be dehydrated with a little bit of an infection. And I put it to the lowest indicator of what it could be, the most benign thing. And we can't do that. We can't put our patients with the most benign case. We've got to think worst case scenario. And what can we do for them worst case scenario? This patient needed fluids. Luckily for me, this patient wasn't very far from the hospital. And as soon as we got there, they got an IV in her and they started fluids. Should I have got an IV? Absolutely. My IV blew. It didn't work. Why not an IO? Is there a problem with doing IOs? This patient needed fluids. This patient needed fluids immediately. Why? Her MAP was less than 65. Her MAP was 60 and a little bit under as time went on. This patient got admitted into ICU and was watched for several weeks. So all I'm saying is when it comes to sepsis, we can know all the other signs, but don't forget about mean arterial pressure. I'll never forget about mean arterial pressure, and that's why I'm telling you guys about mean arterial pressure. Remember, it's systolic blood pressure plus two times the diastolic pressure, all divided by three. And that's going to get your mean arterial pressure. So, mean arterial pressure greater than 65, our organs are being perfused, especially in sepsis. Less than 65, not being perfused. The two biggest things you should be watching with sepsis that are huge indicators that you've got sepsis, end tidal CO2 and the mean arterial pressure. Less than 27 and less than 65. I know it's a lot of numbers. So make up a cheat sheet, put it in your pocket, put all the signs and symptoms of sepsis and those numbers so you remember it. Because when time counts, We've got to remember those things so that we can deliver the best care possible to our patients. I hope you guys have a great week. Remember, use that mean arterial pressure and take care out there on the streets. Always watch your partner's back. Always be safe. And it's a good day when everyone goes home safe. Thanks and have a good week.